You're listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, the official podcast of RedLegNation.com. really going to get into what's going to happen next year, but since we're talking about uh, moving Brandon Phillips, you, you got to do something in the meantime. You want to talk about, you brought up this uh, article by John Arardi in which he said uh, five things that he thought, thinks the Reds should do. Um, what do you think about his suggestion about uh, kicking the wheels on this Cuban defector, uh, Alex Guerrero, see if he can be a, uh, a second baseman in the big leagues next year? I, I don't know enough about this guy. Um, I, I, just a little bit I've read in the paper. I haven't done any research. Um, the only question to me is now he's only twenty six, but if you're gonna if you're gonna trade Phillips and get out from under that contract, from everything I've read, this kid's gonna want big money uh, with less of a of a of a uh, resume than than. You know what you're already kicking out for Phillips, so I, I I don't know. I mean, but the guys that make these decisions are a lot smarter than I am. Uh, but my my concern, and, and we talked about this earlier, is the baseball people have to be the ones making these decisions. I mean, the the, the you know, Castellini signs the checks, but he can't he can't make another public relations contract move like he did with Phillips. Because I and I said it at the time, and the the sabermetric guys on the list said, you know. Well, this this you know this contract will pay off in the long term, but I, I think if you go back and start looking at the numbers already, it, it, you know that contract's going to be an albatross, and they can't afford another albatross. I think something that uh, we t- you talk about the PR state, and I agree the baseball people need to make these decisions, and Rory made a good point uh, that addresses this question of uh, you know Castellan does have to be worried about the PR element, get, keeping butts in the seats, but. I've already said, and I'll just go ahead and quote him here, with the Reds having made the quick exit from the postseason, the fan base isn't going to be all that upset with anything the brain trust does this offseason to try to make the club better. And that includes gauging the interest in who basically has an untradeable contract. So um, that, that's a good point. I think that uh, this might be the right time. If you're going to make a, a what would generally be an unpopular PR move, it can be couched in terms of, we're, you know, you want more of the same or do you want uh, – to move forward. So there's maybe a little bit of an opening, a window here to make some, some drastic moves. I don't know if the, uh, the Cuban uh, Guerrero is legit. Again, like you say, the, the baseball people have to make that judgment. But if so, the Reds have had some success uh, in uh, going dipping their toes into the Cuban waters. And uh, I just hope that if they sign another Cuban, they don't waste him like they've wasted the... Uh, Wasted her all his chatting. No, the other kid that can play second base that's in the organization is Henry Rodriguez. Uh, yeah, and the question is whether or not uh, he hasn't hit as well at AAA as he had earlier in his career. Uh, so the question is whether he can do it with a bat. But if he can be a league average second baseman, uh, you know, I'd be surprised if the Reds are willing to do that. I, I, I agree with that, but, but you know, he could be a stopgap, you know, don't, you know, I, I don't know. I Maybe it's maybe a stopgap if Guerrero's not ready on opening day. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, for example, Yasiel Puig, who we already brought up, you know, he didn't come until June. Um, if if he needs a little bit, Guerrero needs a little bit of seasoning time, I, I don't have a problem with him as a stopgap for a couple months. Um, if they think that Guerrero can be an above average uh, second baseman, or at least, you know, league average or slightly above 
from the from the get go, um, as they say. So I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see what they do at that position. I think more than likely, what's going to happen is you've got Brandon Phillips at second base on opening day. I would be very surprised if that was not the case. What grade do you give him, Brandon? Yeah, C plus, B minus. I mean, his defense, you know, his his offense was below average. I don't care how many RBIs he had, um, but he. Uh, you know, his defense elevates everything, you know, because he's, he's as good a defensive second baseman as I've ever seen. And I watched Joe Morgan, and I watched Pokey Reese, and I think Phillips is better than either one of them defensively. Um, come on, he's not better than D'Angelo Jimenez. Just okay, by a no, shade. No. Just by a shade. <laughs> All right, we uh, sort of need to run through some more of these. Those are really the four uh, big names uh, that are fun to talk about. Well, yeah, uh, since we're quick, talking about moving forward here, I, I want to talk about one more guy. Go ahead. I want to talk about Devin Mezzarocco. Well, that's the next guy I was going to talk about anyway, so oh, okay. it works out perfectly. Because, and I admit I have a soft spot in my heart for Devin. He's one of my interview guys, and he's been very good to Red Leg Nation. And, and I've heard stories about him from Matt Clinker that kind of make me laugh. Um, and I think Devin took a big step up this year. I, I was real happy with the way he played for the team. I, you, know, you, know, you look at his overall year numbers, and they aren't real impressive. His OPS, you know, he's, but, you know, his OPS was six forty nine as a catcher, as a you know, young guy. I, that's not bad, and it's moving in the right direction. Uh, and against left, he killed left-handed hitters. I mean, just killed them. And, and and you know, his numbers are coming up. I think his defense got a lot better this year. Uh, I'm happy with the wet direction he's moving in, and, and he's got to be the guy catching three out of five days next year. I think he will be, actually. Um, I think he would have been even if Dusty Baker had been back. I think we saw towards the end of the season a little bit of a move in that direction. Well, see, I think it went uh, the other way late in the season. I think he went to, Met- to to Hannigan late. Baker went to Hannigan almost every day in the last week when the games were on the line, and even when there was a left-handed hitter on the, on the mound. True, the last week, I agree. But, but a couple months before that, Mr. Rockwell had been getting slightly more playing time. Um, so maybe, there, maybe there's more cause, a little bit more cause for concern with Dusty in that uh, scenario. I think you're right. Mr. Rocco, he didn't have a great year. I mean, let's, let's not uh, sugarcoat it. Um, yeah, he's not the he's, second coming of Johnny Bench. He's not, no. Um, but on the other hand, he was 25. He has, in, the, in his history, uh, in the minor leagues, he's been sort of a guy that's been slow to – uh, figure out a league, but when he does, watch out. And I think we saw in the second half of the season some really, really good signs that he's starting to figure this thing out. And I think he's got to start sixty uh, percent of the games at least next year. And I think if he does that, he's going to develop into a guy. I, I really believe he's going to develop into a you know guy you can put at fifth in the order. Even he's going to have. He's going to. Uh, at the I very help this team offensively. At the very least, against left-handed pitching. I mean, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but, uh, he, he actually, you know, if you look at his splits, his first half was a little bit better than the second half. Is uh, that right? Yeah, not by much, but a little bit. Um, but you know, he had he had, his best month was July. Uh, I guess that's what I'm thinking about. He had a really good July. He had a 770 OPS in July. Um, he had pretty good May, but he played the most in July and August. 
and, and those were two of his better, you know, his, his real good months. Actually, the only real bad month he had was September, October. Uh, he wasn't yeah. real good in June, but uh, his July, but, his OPS plus in July was 117. Well, we talk about July and August, and that's when Hannigan was hurt. Yeah. And so he was. I, it, I think that Mezzarocco showed during that time that he was ready to step up and be the uh, sort of everyday guy because uh, he had to be at that time. I don't know that Dusty would have given him the chance otherwise. And I like Hannigan. I do too. Matter of fact, I'm a big, big fan of Hannigan, and I think what he's brought to the Reds last few years has been fantastic. And I'm glad he's been able to carve out a career. And he's liable to be a guy that sticks around for ten more years, uh, or five or six more years at least, as a backup catcher. I think it's time probably for him to become the, the backup catcher. Um, and that's not a slight on him. He's going to be 33 next year. You know, it happens to the best of them. Um, but uh, but I don't mind having Hannigan around, uh, certainly. I think Hannigan's a alone. future coach, or, or if he wants to be. I think he's a he's a, he's, a, he's a, an intellectual guy. He studies the game from everything you read. I think he's a future coach or manager if he, if he chooses to be. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and uh, he may be the second coming of uh, Corky Miller uh, within this organization, With uh, uh, except it's a guy that's had a more, of a, more success at the major league level. Than Corky, because yeah. Hannigan's had a, a nice little career here so far, and he had a bad year this past year. He was hurt, and, um, and we've talked about Hannigan in the past. In fact, I think you're the guy that turned me on to Hannigan when he was still in the minor leagues. And mm-hmm. and and for those that don't know the history of Ryan Hannigan, and, and they don't really cover it much when you're listening to the Reds or whatever, this is a guy that was a non-drafted free agent. And and as as I've gotten to know some of these minor league guys, you can't overemphasize how tough it is for a non-drafted guy to make the big leagues. Nobody is in their corner. They have no money invested in them. It's no big deal to them if a guy has a bad year to cut him loose. So Ryan, so Ryan Hannigan fought his way up tooth and nail and climbed over a bunch of guys making a lot more money in the Reds organization to be where he is today. And, and if you can't respect that, you don't understand the, the, the American dream. Absolutely. He's the very embodiment of the American dream. Every step uh, that he took up the ladder, every place he went, he was the number one guy that was probably most expendable. Yep. Uh, that If they needed a roster spot, Hannigan, you know, they had nothing invested in him. Um, small college guy who was just uh, a philosophy major. Drafted. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Nobody even sniffed him in the draft. And... Um, it shows, number one, what an uh, inexact science uh, the drafting process is. But this is a guy that has learned how to sort of maximize what he can do. He, he learned how to some on-base skills and maximize those. This is a guy that batted 198 last year but still had an on-base percentage above 300. That, that impresses me, uh, yep. uh, frankly, immensely. Um, means he's not just up there hacking. Well, he knows what he can do, what he can't do, right. what his strengths are, what his weaknesses are. He knows, uh, and he's done everything he could to maximize his ability. He's, uh, you know, Cincinnati fans have always traditionally loved guys that get absolutely every drop of their ability uh, out, of, out of themselves. Out of their Pete Rose obviously comes to mind. And, uh, you know, Hannigan is a guy that really needs to be, should be more popular amongst uh, Reds fans because... Uh, what he's done to just get to the major leagues, to even get a cup of coffee in the major leagues, yeah. uh, would have been a, just a completely amazing scenario given his uh, backstory. But the fact that he carved out a legitimate major league career and a productive one to this point, 
Uh, man, my hat is off yep. to Ryan Hannigan. I love the guy. I, I, I just yeah. think the world of him. I really do. Um, and, and I think he will, assuming, you know, he doesn't want to go somewhere else for more money. Because, I mean, he's going into arbitration, I think, next year. He's got one arbitration year left, and he's not going to do real well in arbitration. Um, I think he's here until Tucker Barnhart's ready. Um, which yeah. which will probably be, I don't know if it'll be two years. I, I expect Tucker to be at Louisville probably at least a year, probably two. And Tucker, I don't think Tucker's ever going to hit at the big league level, but I think defensively he can help teams. Yeah, Tucker will be a big league catcher. Um, and, and, and like I say, what, if, what, once the time comes, the Reds are going to have to part ways with Ryan Hannigan because, you know, Hannigan's going to be 33, Mr. Rocco uh, 26, hitting his prime here. You know, come on. I mean, we, we all see what's happening here. Uh, I think that uh, there should be a uh, a fond farewell for, for Ryan Hannigan, and I think he'll still stick around in the big leagues. He'll be a backup catcher for somebody, probably for just about as long as he wants to be, given his on-base skills and uh, the way that he uh, can handle the glove and, and yep. handle pitchers. So. It's, it's, it's the baseball circle of life. It really is. I mean, you know. <laughs> Akuma Matata. <laughs> exactly. Corky Miller, we all love Corky because he's got the goofy facial hair and uh, the great personality. But Corky Miller, you know, really has very little business being in the major leagues at this point. But the fact that he has been around and, you know, play in a, a thousand different seasons, um, even if it's just a part-time play, shows that there's a market for a guy like uh, like Ryan Hannigan, who's uh, Corky Miller with a little bit more talent, I guess. Didn't Corky Miller catch Satchel Page? <laughs> he did, actually. He was Satchel Page's uh, first catcher. Um and those are those were those were good times when uh, when Paige was with the Indians. Yeah. Exciting stuff. Yeah, it, it's fun to listen to Corky Miller wax uh, eloquently on those days. Uh, and I look forward to seeing him catch you know uh, Homer Bailey's son in, uh, 20 years as well. Homer Bailey Jr. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, let's move into the pitching staff. Let's do that. Nothing else you want to say about any of the uh, hitters, Miss Rocco. Yeah, we, uh, we expect him to do better. Uh, Frazier, yeah, probably an average third baseman. I guess the rest can sort of handle that. Uh, I, think de- I think defensively, Todd's above average. I, I just think, you know, we're, I still think the jury's still out on his offense. Yeah, he was slightly below average offensively. I think overall, you know, you look at the end of the year, and Frazier had started off poorly and had some rough spots during the year, but he didn't hurt this team. Um, left uh, left field, we're going to we'll podcast when we sort of talk about 2014 because, oh, left field, what a disaster area that is. Oh, let's move into the pitching. Uh, who is the best pitcher on this Red Staff this year? You know, that's a good question. Uh, if you ask me and I don't look at anything, you know, if I'm just talking off the top of my head, I would say Latos. But I'll tell you what, it's a horse race. It is. They had, they had six good guys, yeah. uh, you know. I don't know I don't know a team that wouldn't have traded, rota- traded rotations with us top to bottom. Oh, yeah. You know, you talk about losing Cueto, who was the opening day starter the the supposed ace of the team, and the guy that came in ended up with the best ERA plus on the club, uh, Tony Singrani, you know, and ended up having the best uh, strikeout rate in the majors uh, for guys that threw, uh, you know, 100-plus innings. So, uh, wow, one through six. You know what? Unbelievable. On Singrani, I, I read these these guys on the on the making comments on the blog that he needs to go. He needs to spend next part of next year AAA, learning a secondary pitch, and yada yada. yada. He started eighteen games this year. 
And he had an ERA plus of 131. He had a whip of 1.099. I don't think sending that kid back to Louisville does him any good. Yeah, it's not like four <laughs> starts and the league still hasn't learned him yet. You know, yeah. and 18 starts is not a ton. But on the other hand, it's not, uh, you know, a cup of coffee. Uh, major league clubs have, have video. They got a chance to see what Singerati does, and they still had a difficult time touching. Yeah. He doesn't. There's nothing more for him to prove in AAA. He needs to be in the rotation next yep. year. Uh, and, and frankly, I give uh, Singerati a solid A if we're going to grade uh, based on what he was uh, asked to do. Yeah, he performed it. You know, struck out over ten guys per nine innings. That's that's crazy, and that's uh, for, and for these Reds. For the Reds fans who love uh, getting uh, eleven strikeouts in a game and getting their pizza, free, free pizza, pizza, man. Uh, He's a, he was a godsend. Thanks to Buddy LaRosa for the free pizza. <laughs> Absolutely. But um, you know what? And the other thing is the added pressure of stepping in for the number one starter. Yeah. And, and, he, and he performed the way he did. I mean, anybody that's got a problem with anything Tony Singrani did is a different kind of baseball fan than I am. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm all aboard the uh, Tony Singrani train. I think you're right. I think the numbers bear out what you uh, – Matt Latos being the best pitcher on the, the Reds uh, staff. Uh, great season, and really a, a sort of a step forward for him. 14-7, 3.16 ERA through, uh, through more innings than anyone on the staff. Just uh, an inning and two-thirds more than, more than Homer. Um, you know, and there, it's not all uh, roses. His walk rate was a little higher than what I think he would like to see. Uh, and his uh, strikeout rate was only third best among the starters. But uh, uh, sort of like we said about Shin Su Chu, I don't have any complaints uh, about Matt Latos, especially if he was pitching uh, injured since July, as he claims he was. Yeah. Uh, uh, whatever. I, you know, I have a hard time believing he was <laughs> pitching two months with a groin strain. Uh, you know, I think he got tired of the crap that his wife was taking online. And he felt like he had to say something. But I'm not going to question Matt Latos's word. I don't know the man. Um, but why say it then? And Anyway, moving on. Like you said, he had a great year for the Reds. And he stepped up to be the number one. He's the number one on this team at this point, in my opinion. He, he is. He is. And I think he's uh, earned that uh, distinction. Although you look down through here, and, of course, I tried to make the case in a, in a piece for ESPN earlier this uh, ESPN.com earlier this year, that Homer Bailey finally had turned the corner and it had become an ace, and uh, maybe struggled a little bit towards the end of the year, but still ended up with a very good season, uh, eleven and twelve, three point four nine ERA. Um, you know, he struck out. He had the second highest strikeout rate on the club, uh, eight point six Ks per nine. Um, his walk rate, uh, you know, two point three per nine. Uh, okay, you know, second or third best, I guess, amongst uh, red starters. Um, at, at times, Homer, I don't know, this might just be who Homer is. Uh, he, at times, he looked like the ace we all hoped he would be and justified some of the, the praise and some of the – we spent more time talking about Homer Bailey on this podcast than any other player, I'm sure, and, and in urging patience amongst Reds fans. Finally this year, it looks like, really, that patience paid off, didn't it? Yeah, it did, and, and it's funny because for the first time now, you're hearing people that, that, that I respect, like John Arardi, talk about maybe it's time to trade Homer Bailey. I like Homer, and I like the idea of Homer being in this rotation, but you have to concede that he has raised his value as a trade asset at this point, 
and could probably bring back something of value in return. So uh, he, I, I don't think he should be you know, on the no-trade list, for example. I'd hate to see him go just because I like the guy. Um, but he's going to be due for a lot of money very soon. Uh, the Reds have to decide whether or not he's a guy that's going to stick or want to stick around and whether they want to offer him a longer, longish term deal. Yeah. Uh, if they decide that, you know, he's uh, maybe not a good bet for whatever reason for, uh, for one of those longer term contracts, maybe you do move him. Uh, like I said, he could probably bring something back that could really help this team when you're looking. they got some holes to fill. Yeah, and, and and let's be honest. I mean, their their pitching depth is starting pitching depth is not endless. Uh, I mean, you got you have to you know I question whether Cueto can stay healthy. Um, you know, so if you assume that, that that Cueto can't stay healthy, you know that's a hole you have to fill for at least part of the year. Um, and we haven't even gotten to Bronson Arroyo yet. I know you, you're chomping at the bit to talk about Bronson. <laughs> Uh, how, how, did you, how did you know? Um, I could hear the yeah. bi- I could hear the bit being chomped on. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, this year the Reds were fortunate to have a little bit of depth in Singrani to come up. But you talk about next year, you're talking about Arroyo possibly being uh, somewhere else. And if if you trade Homer Bailey, Johnny Cueto gets hurt. The Reds don't have a whole lot of depth in AAA. You're starting to turn what's a strength it could very quickly with an injury or two become a real liability on this team. So the Reds are going to have to walk the tightrope with respect to this starting pitching uh, staff. And I just don't see any way they can trade Homer, uh, you know, maybe uh, around the trade deadline next year, depending on what happens. But I think they've got to have him next year. I don't think they've got anyone that can step in and take his place. Well, not, ne- not at the, at the next year, but uh, um, as, as a, again, as we already talked about in that article, they think Stevenson's probably going to be in triple a next year. Yeah. So, so how, he, far, he how, now how, how far away he is, you know, we won't know until we, he gets some innings in at AAA. Um, and, and, you know, maybe Corsino will come back and have a better year next year at, at AAA. And there are a couple other guys that are that are in the Reds organization that don't get talked about much. Chad Rogers, a um, couple of guys um, that, that I think can be serviceable big league pitchers. Uh, now, whether they can be good quality starters or not, you know, and most of them, they haven't really hit triple a for any extended time yet to really get a look at them um but i I don't think the well is as dry as we think it is i think there's but i don't think there's another stevenson down there or another singrani down there well i think the well might be dry in terms of guys we could use on opening day 2014 absolutely uh maybe not going forward uh so i think homer bailey is is back uh let's talk about quato since you mentioned him injuries again this year but you know when he pitched uh, he was very ex- good. He was he was he was awfully good, and in, in, in a lot of ways, the best uh, best pitcher on the staff when he pitched. Two point eight two ERA. Other than that ERA. playoff game, his ERA plus was uh, the best on the staff. But what happened in that playoff game? Um, do, do you think he really got as rattled as he appeared to get? Well, I was watching a game in a bar. Uh, we were on vacation. We were out of town, and, and so I couldn't hear the audio what was being said, and I didn't know anything about the crowd chant his name or anything until I read it later. So I, I really can't say, but he wasn't Johnny Cueto that night, that, and you could tell that by just you know watching the game. He was, he looked rattled to me. I mean, look, his eyes looked like saucer plates out there to me. Yeah, uh, this is all really subjective stuff. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I hate, anybody, I hate to, anybody can have a bad night. He may have just had a bad night. Exactly. Even, even Johnny Cueto, as good as he is, can have a bad night. But but I saw some of the same things. That, 
You know, uh, the this, this scenario where he's standing on the, the mound and that crowd's chanting, Cueto, and he drops the ball. Now, that just, I've never seen him drop the ball before, but it's, I'm sure it's happened. But boy, right in that situation, it looked an awful lot like they were in his head. And then, and I said, I turned to uh, my son who was sitting next to me and I said, uh oh. And then, boom, home run almost immediately uh, that he gives up and the game over pretty much at that point. Um, it was just the most bizarre, surreal uh, thing I'd ever seen in my life. Um, well, I don't know about in my life, but. Uh, what it looked like, I, again, I don't know whether it really was like that, and only Cueto really can can say whether whether it was or wasn't, and he's not going to say. Um, it didn't look good. That said, I'm still uh, I'm paid up on my dues in the Johnny Cueto fan club. Whether he can stay healthy is the that's the big question because if he can stay healthy, there's no reason Johnny Cueto is not going to be an effective pitcher next year and uh, and a top of the rotation pitcher. But they've yeah, got to figure out what this thing is that, that, that this reoccurring problem with his muscle or tear or whatever the hell it is, and and it, whether it's changing his motion, changing his rehab, changing his workout, whatever it needs to be done, uh, you can't have the same injury three times in the same year. I mean that that's a, a reoccurring problem that the medical staff ought to be able to address. Yeah, I agree. They've got to, they've got to come up with something. Of course, he barely even used that uh, funky wind up in that playoff game. He, Pitch from the stretch, even with nobody on base, uh, almost the, the yeah. entire time he was in there. Uh, boy, just a bizarre thing. But yeah, if they can get him where he can make thirty starts, you know, we say Matt Latos is the ace, or that uh, Homer Bates has become an ace. But I think if he can make thirty starts, is going to be the ace of this team. Or we're going to have a real argument up there at the top, especially if Latos takes another step forward, as you would hope he would. Latos just twenty five this year. Yep. Uh, and that's the part that. Uh, you know, amazes me. We haven't talked about Leak yet, but Latos 25, Homer Bailey 27, Leak 25, Singrani 23, Cueto 27. These are, you know, these aren't, other than Arroyo, these aren't guys on the uh, on the downhill side of their career. So there's there's actual hope that the wrist rotation could be even better next year, depending on what happens. That, and that blows my mind. Okay, I'm going to hold back on the reins on you on Arroyo here. Let's talk about Leak for a couple of minutes. Let's do that. Let's do that. Um, good, good season. A very good season. Uh, I, I don't understand how Mike Leak is effective. I readily admit it. I, I'm not a believer, um, but he can keep confounding me in the manner that he did this year for as many years as he'd like to. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, a lot of a lot of Bronson Arroyo. You're trying to hold me back. I know, but a lot of Bronson Arroyo, what he does in terms of outthinking hitters, and and you just you look up after seven innings and wonder how he just gave up to and not more, you know. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, you know, after a drop off season last year, he came back really strong this year, and he's had a career, you know, his career best year, career high in innings, uh, you know, low number and home runs, other than his rookie year. Uh, you know, he started thirty one games. I. He had a, just a, a tremendous year, and, and, and as Chris Welsh talked about when we talked to him earlier this year, you know, they're in a team in baseball that wouldn't have had, wouldn't have liked to have a number five starter like Mike Leake. Oh, absolutely, and uh, and the Reds are fortunate to have him. But again, how's he doing it? His his uh his walk rate is low. He doesn't walk a whole lot of guys. But he doesn't strike out a lot of guys either. You don't, you don't. You, there aren't very many pitchers that can get away with a, a strike rate, strikeout rate 
of uh, you know around five batters per nine innings and be as effective as Leak has been. He's doing it some way, uh, and I'm hopeful he can continue doing it because I think it's mirrors. He's good. You think so? I think it's must mirrors. be. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's working. I hope he keeps doing it. I'm, I'm like you. If you count on him to be the fifth starter or rotation works out, uh, very happy with the production he provided. Just going to be 26 next year. You know, you hope yep. even he uh, could even improve some. So, yep. uh, tip of the cap to Mike Leak. I, he is what he is. He's not uh, going to be a superstar, but uh, he's also looks looks like he's going to be reliable. Yeah, there's real value in a, in a guy that uh, can be reliable for 200 innings a year. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna sit back here. I'm gonna put my feet up, and you can hear me here putting my feet up, and I'm gonna let you go. And Bronson Arroyo, go. All right, Bronson Arroyo. You know, Bronson had a good year this year. Two years ago, Bronson had an awful season, and, and I've said it a thousand times, and you 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 enjoy poking fun at me, and I'll I'll accept it because Bronson's my favorite red because he's another guy. He works magic out there, and I think he'll be able to do it until he's 60 years old because it doesn't depend upon uh, velocity. It depends on uh, – he's, he's sort of the typical wily left-hander that you always hear about, but he's throwing from the right side. Speaking of Satchel Page, he's Satchel Page-like. <laughs> yeah, he is Satchel Page-like. He knows how to get people out. He throws a variety of pitches. Um, and I think, you know, I, I think that's actually – could be <laughs> the way Page was at the end of his career, especially when he was uh, finally made it to the big leagues. With Cleveland, um, he just has learned how to pitch. He's never going to overpower anyone, um, but he changes speeds. He changes arm angles. He, he he's a master at the craft of pitching. Yep. He's uh, frankly Greg Maddox light in terms of not being able to overpower anybody. Uh, Greg Maddox was just very very good. Bronson Roy has just been good um, rather than Hall of Fame good. Uh, so I don't want to I don't want to get too deep into that comparison, but uh, in terms of styles, very similar. And you know, we saw some quotes from Bronson earlier in the week, uh, just a couple days ago, actually, where he said he's not had any conversations with the Reds that he and he believes. And I, and I listened to him talking with Lance McAllister on uh, WLW one night, and he Arroyo was on, and and basically said he thinks probably the Reds are going to be going in a different direction that. They'd have to make the qualifying offer to him, uh, which is going to be around $14 million. And he just doesn't – he's looking for a contract. He's going to be 37 next year. The last couple of years have been good at a decent contract from someone and deserve it. And, again, I, I can't ever blame someone for trying to grab the dollars while they can. His, his career is going to be over before you know it. Um, I wish the Reds could keep him. I don't see any way they can, um, which uh, – and, and probably it's it's the right move from not only from a baseball perspective, but from a, a an economic perspective to to say so long, Bronson Arroyo. Um, would you make it, him? Would you if you were if you're Jockety and Castellini? Do you make him a qualifying offer? Well, again, we're going back to uh, I'm a fan. <laughs> it goes back to uh, uh, can I think? Uh, Outside the box on this, or outside of the vacuum, um, I think yes, I would. And the reason why is if he comes back, he's, he's a good pitcher still. He's an above-average starting pitcher, and uh, you know, fourteen million. Uh, you know, there's a chance he could he could deserve that next year in terms of just what he provides. 
accept it if they do offer it. And of course, you're taking that chance if you make that off qualifying offer. That if he accepts it, you're you're committed. If he doesn't accept it, though, the Reds will get a uh, a first or second round pick right. in the uh, 2014 draft. And you know, there's there's value in that. So I think that uh, I think the the move to do is to make him an offer, and that may be sentimentality on my part. No, I, I agree. I, I, you be. know, I, I'm not a you know a card carrying member of the Bronson Royal fan club like you are. Um, I, fact, I, I, I think, I'm the pre, I'm the president of the fan club. I though. figured you were. You know the chart. Yeah. You know you were a plank holder <laughs> in the Bronson Royal fan club. Oh yeah. Um, but I think they I think they have to make him the qualifying offer. I think as Arardi talks about in the article, the top five the, the top five things the Reds need to do. There's worse things that could happen than him accepting that thing for 14 million. Yeah. And if he, and if he does accept it, they get him for one more year, and that gives him a year to get Stevenson ready. What what it does though is it's fourteen million dollars. You don't have to sign two. You don't have to sign a uh, a bat for left field or to improve elsewhere. Yeah, that's true. Um, but they there's no there's nothing saying that the payroll can't go up. The Reds set an attendance record this year. They're looking at increased revenue in the next few years in TV contracts. Uh, and and they they've shown a propensity for deferring payment on contracts in the past. In fact, I think they're paying Ken Griffey Jr. from now until the end of the end of time. Right. Um. So the money is out there if if they're willing to spend it, you know. And, and I'm not a big guy on deferred contracts. I, I, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying if they make a decision, you know, to, to bite the bullet for one year of Bronson Royal until Stevenson's ready, I, I, I can make the argument. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think there's an argument to be made. And if not, you know, we'll all look forward to the day when Bronson comes back for the ceremony when he's inducted into the Reds Hall of Fame. I think he's had a great. I think he's a, a, a no doubt Reds Hall of Famer. Yeah, yeah, great career as a Red. Uh, but quickly, but actually, this is does uh, impact what we're talking about with next year's rotation as well. Um, Aroldis Chapman had a good year this mm-hmm. year. Um, a very effective year. Of course, he uh, <laughs> he blew more saves even than uh, Coco Cordero did in uh, his final season with the Reds. But still, Chapman's great. I love Chapman. Um, needs to be in the rotation still. As we, actually, I, I know we put a moratorium on talking about that, and I just violated it, but... Um, well, it has come up in the media since they're talking about Price as the manager. They, they, they basically they say if Price is the manager, it's a done deal. Um, we'll have to see. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We'll see. So we'll see. I, I want to talk about one other guy in the bullpen before we before we we get off of this, and that's Manny Parra. He had a pretty doggone good year for this ball club, and what Brian Price has been able to do with him is pretty amazing. And there's already talk that he's going to re-sign with the Reds, and if he does, I'm glad he does. If it's a reasonable contract, I I, I think he's got a, a good place on this team. Yeah, I think that it, in one way, many crystallizes number one the uh, the case for Brian Price as a manager, and number two, the case against Brian Price as a manager. Uh, I'll start with the first one. Uh, what Brian Price did with him is should be a, a near the top line of his, his resume. I mean, what a fantastic job he did with Manny Parra. Parra was. 
you know, effective, and no one expected him to be effective this year. Um, on the other hand, wow, uh, what a pitching coach. I'd like to keep him as a pitching coach, too, if we could, uh, yep. uh, you know, uh, get a clone for him and let him serve both roles. And, and you know, as manager, he can still, he's still going to have plenty of input on the pitching Well, you know what, though? And I've talked about this with a couple of people. I think that was part of the problem on the hitting side, though, with Baker. I think you got you had a two-headed monster uh, yeah. on the hitting side. And, and guys, and I don't know this. This is just me making wild assumptions and talking about things I don't know about, which is why we're here. Because um, we talk about things we don't know anything about all the time. Um, but I, I would tend to believe that guys were hearing one thing from Baker and the other thing and something else from Brooke Jacoby. And I think that's going to be really important that, that if Brian Price gets this job, he finds a pitching coach that they that they agree on philosophy and and you know the way the the staff is going to be handled and who's going to make what decisions and and there, and there shouldn't be um, different in, 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 um, information being given out to these guys. Yeah, and a lot of that is uh, inside the clubhouse stuff. That yeah, frankly, I don't understand that well because I've never been in the clubhouse. But um, but from the on the surface, yeah, I have no reason not to agree with everything you just said. So. Um, you know, one anything of the other, else you want to say? Yeah, one of the one other thing, and I was going and I was going to talk about this when we talk about moving forward, but I want to bring it up now and let people let it cook with some people, maybe even with you. And it's not in in Arardi's five things. This team needs an organizational hitting philosophy from the top of the organization to the lowliest rookie down in Arizona. You know, the kid that just came up from the the, the Dominican League. And I don't know what that philosophy should be. I, I mean, well, I know what I think it should be, but I don't know what they'll decide on. But it needs to be taught at every level, from the lowly minors to the big leagues, so guys have the same hitting philosophy. And I'm not talking about power. I'm talking about on-base percentage and working counts and, and, and that kind of thing. There's no hitting philosophy in this organization, and there's no value on any certain part of hitting. And that just makes me crazy. And, I, and that would be one of my number one priorities for this organization. And that goes back to the season-long argument about uh, Joey Votto and his approach to the plate. And that's something we would probably spend another hour just talking about that. So we, we'll dig into that next time, absolutely. But I, I, I could not agree more. And I'm like you. I know what I, I, what I think that philosophy should be. Um, if Dusty Baker were still around, I know what, if they were going to implement a philosophy, I know what, where he would land on that, uh, <laughs> on that scale, too. So. Don't want to clog the bases. No, don't want to don't want to clog those bases. Uh, we've pretty much beaten the 2013 season to death. Although, let's be honest, that season deserved to be beaten to death. Yeah, let's um, let's kick that one out the back door and look forward next time. Let's look forward, maybe a little bit of optimism in our next uh, podcast. We will. Any, any final thoughts on the 2013 season, or anything you want to add here? Actually, one thing I want to add, and I said this before we went on the air, is I was wa- watching the Dodgers and the and the Cardinals who are still playing last night. Oh, man. How much better would this team have been if they'd have went after Carlos Beltran a couple of years ago? Yeah, I said it on Twitter last night. Uh, <laughs> and, of course, we, we said it two years ago. Yep. He's been worth every dime that contract the Cardinals gave him. What, what, what was his initial contract? I think it was a two-year, $30 million deal or something like that. Oh, I think it was less than that, wasn't it? I, think it was, I thought he uh, got fifth, or maybe it was the first year he got $15 million or something. Then, so I can't even remember now, but holy free holies. I thought it was a $26 million over two years, frankly. Was it? Um, I, I, I can't remember. But either way, he's been worth every dime. And can you imagine him in left field instead of uh, 
Ludwig and Heisey and Derek Robinson and that crew. And hit them in the uh, four hole. Yeah. The Reds the Reds be still playing right now. I tend to I, believe, tend to agree with yeah. you. Yeah, I believe that. All right. Okay, now I'm depressed. Yeah, thanks a lot. So <laughs> let's let's try to work up some optimism for our uh, next podcast in which we will discuss. When do you, here's a, here's a qu- real quick question before we get out of here. When do you think the Reds announce a manager? I think that probably not before the World Series is over, but I would not be surprised if it happens very shortly thereafter. I, th- I don't think they're going to wait. I think um, it'll be a week to ten days after the World Series is over. I, uh, uh, Howard Wilkinson, who writes a little bit of Red stuff uh, on Facebook and stuff, and he used to write for the Enquirer on political stuff. And anyway, he said he thought they'd wait till December till Reds Fest. I said there is no way in the world they're waiting till Reds Fest to announce a manager. They got to sell tickets for one thing before then. Yeah, no chance, no chance. I think they do it. Uh, and I've seen quotes from Jockety and Cassidy that they want to get it done pretty quick. I think they do it right after the World Series. Um, that, gives, that gives them a little time to interview, and you know they're not they're not they don't have to rush into it. Plus, you got to build your coaching staff once you make your you know your your and start making your organizational plans. So I mean, you, yeah, the sooner is better than later. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's not like it's got to get out on the recruiting trail or anything like a college coach, but there are a lot of things that need to, that go into getting prepared for the next season. And they're going to need to get a guy in place. Yep. Um, and yeah, probably going to be Brian Price, isn't it? I, I I said earlier I'll be very surprised if it's not. But I would I never thought they'd hire us. Excuse me, Dusty Baker. So you know, for good or evil. And and, and let's be yeah. fair. And, and as much as and there's nobody that ripped on Dusty any more than I did. He won a lot of ball games here, or they won a lot of ball games with him here. One thing I've said a couple of times since Dusty was fired, and I still absolutely but. Credit from his detractors, and he never got enough criticism from his supporters. Uh, he's just a very—he was flawed as a manager, but he also had uh, strengths as a manager, and it wasn't all black or white. Um, I wish him well, uh, and you know, some of these years that we've had with Dusty at the helm are going to be some of my uh, fondest memories as a Reds fan. That 2010 season, it, you know, um, so uh, it's not all bad, and uh, I think it was the time—it was time to make a change. I didn't think the Reds would do it, but it was time. And uh, best of luck to him. I, I doubt he ever manages again, although he says he wants to. Um, Talk to the Nationals. Yeah, I saw that. I cannot imagine the Nationals would uh, would hire him, but I hope they do. Yeah. Oh, oh, the only thing that would be better is if the Cardinals hired him. <laughs> oh, yeah, really, please. Uh, <laughs> um, all right, Bill. Uh, it's been fun. You know, we, we thought we might uh, when we started out here. We thought we might talk about last year and next year, but as you correctly predicted right before we went, uh, we started recording. As much as we like to run our mouth, uh, our mouths, there's no way we were going to get through both. So we've already we just barely not too long here. Yep. Uh, and, 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 and I don't know if you saw the uh, the the. Tw- I think it was on Twitter and on and was posted on the blog or. We were suggested as after-game hosts for the uh, Reds on WLW, and we'd talk right through the commercial break, so that would never work. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we can handle that. Uh, we we could, not, could not stick to those strict uh, time limits, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, as always, Bill, been a blast talking to you. Have a good time on, the, on these, and I look forward to doing plenty more. Always a good time. Always a good time. Trying to get some, trying to get some interviews lined up. Um, we'll see how that works out. Look forward to it. Absolutely look forward to it. And to you uh, who've downloaded the podcast, thank you. Go and uh, subscribe. You can subscribe at uh, redlegnation.com via iTunes 
or uh, you can use the RSS feed to subscribe via what what it, via whatever podcast app you're used to listen to, or you can listen to the podcast right there on the site. You can um, tell a friend uh, about the podcast, or two, um, or two. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, and, and uh, we're gonna we hope to have a, a a spot here in the future where we're taking uh, feedback from uh, from fans' emails or, or tweets asking questions. Friend, let's grow this community a little bit. Um, Bill, as always, it's been fun. Always is a blast, my friend. All right. You know, for Bill Lack, this is Chad Dotson saying so long.